Hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. Yes, and to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, good, man. Um, I'm really glad that European football's back. It was nice for us to do a little um, preview to the Porto game uh, with a friend of the podcast, Uncle Shrava. We did a little inter-Porto preview last night. That was really, yeah, that was quite fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, if you want to listen to that, it's, it's on YouTube. We uh, we shared the link to that on our Twitter. If you want to go check it out, it was uh, yeah a live uh, live streamed podcast with a uh, uh, friend of ours, Uncle Sharma, who does an Inter Milan podcast. So yeah, obviously Porto are playing Inter Milan. You may be listening to this podcast at just a few hours before kickoff. Um, so yeah, after you've watched the show, you can go over and listen to that. Uh, for a little preview of the big Champions League game. Obviously, there was some Champions League action last week as well, Barney. Uh, Benfica doing very well, I thought, to beat Club Bruges. Uh, contrasting fortunes with Braga, though, who had a disastrous start to the Conference League campaign, losing 4-0 to Fiorentina. And then, of course, Sporting drawing 1-1 in the Europa League against Michelin. So mixed fortunes so far in Europe and... Uh, Porto will be hoping to to do well against Inter Milan, but uh, it's definitely going to be a tough leg. Anyway, yeah, if you want to hear our full preview of that game, check out that little YouTube video we just mentioned with our friend Uncle Sharma, or of course, friends of the show, the, the Porto podcast in English did a great preview episode themselves uh, of that game. So there's plenty of great content out there if you want to get a good uh, preview of the Champions League. Well, should we get straight into the league games, Barney? Because, of course, that's what we're here for. Um, and it was another good weekend of Primera League of Football. We're going to run through the top four teams' games and then a couple of choice games from further down the table as well. We're going to start, Barney, with our first game of the week, which is, of course, Porto versus Rio Ave. Porto beating Rio Ave 1-0. Uh, and we should just first of all say that, of course, it was... Um, it was at that on the day we learned of the tragic passing of Christian Atsu that there was a game between his two previous clubs uh, in Portugal. So, of course, we want to extend our condolences to uh, family and friends of Christian Atsu and everyone affected by the uh, earthquake in Turkey and Syria. But it was an interesting game, this one, Barney, of course, because Porto would have wanted um, to avenge that embarrassing defeat they took at the hands of Rio Ab earlier in the season. That was very much a Porto were going through a... a a difficult patch. They've since solidified and they were able to get a 1-0 win over Rio Ave. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this game because I thought Rio Ave's performance in particular was very interesting. Um, I thought they played well throughout the game, had great chances to score um, and ultimately uh, in patches were the better team. So it was a really interesting game to watch. They couldn't get anything out of the game at all. But uh, yeah, great performance for Rio Ave, I thought, in the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, they, I thought they really came to play. You know, this was, they made it really tough for Porto. Um, Diego Costa had to make some big saves. He made quite a few actually in this game. I, you know, it was a, a another impressive performance from him. But I think, you know, it's been interesting with Real, isn't it? Because they've sort of been a, a nothing team so far this season. We haven't talked about them that much, have we? But, you know, they, they always play this five of the back system with the wing backs. Costina on the right has been quite effective. And they've used different players like left hand side as well, but it seems to be young. Um, Fabio Ronaldo now who's been starting there more recently. He's naturally a winger, but has done quite well covering that left hand side. And of course they brought on uh, Andreas Samaras back to the league, you know, who's been doing quite well in mid he played well in this game actually in, in that mid defensive midfield role. But 
I wanted to talk about um, their star line in midfield reef for them, Guga, you know, and then because when they got relegated a couple of seasons ago, he was what, 23 at the time, and we thought he looked quite promising. I was expecting someone to snap him up when they got when they did get relegated, but he stayed low to the rear out, got them promoted again, and now he's this star man of the club, and he had, um, he had one really good shot from uh, quite a long distance shot in this game, and I, he's, he's quite a small midfielder, isn't he, Albert? And it, and I, I, I was trying to think of a comparison to a sort of more famous midfielder player, but and the only one I could sort of come up with, but I'm quite happy with it, is a sort of Gattuso-like figure. You know, somebody mm. like he might be one of the smallest players on the pitch, but he's not afraid to get stuck in. He's not afraid to get on the ball as well. And um, yeah, I think Rirav really impressed me in, in this performance. He almost scored uh, an incredible, world-class long shot that. The type of shot where it kind of comes off his foot and you're thinking that's going over and it just gets that last minute dip and it was really dipping under the bar took Diogo Costa by surprise I think and he was really forced into uh, a good save I think in some ways it kind of summed up your performance in this game good moments uh, but failing to kind of get the that that killer touch in the box I think it was Yukubu Aziz also had a great chance in the box on his left foot and he just kicked the ball into the side netting they came close a few times and as you say Diogo Costa was forced into some great saves Luis Ferreira came out after the game and said that his team deserved the point at the very least and I think that's uh, very hard to disagree with but obviously Porto did get the win it was a really important goal just at the end of the first half a first half where they really hadn't clicked into gear and we were taking great confidence from that they scored a really good goal though, to be fair Barney it was a great goal it was a really good ball in from the left hand side um, from Sanusi, I believe, and then Tony Martinez is there to uh, kind of stab it in. It was a, it was a poached finish, but not a simple goal by any means. You know, it was a packed defensive area. Uh, we were able defending well, so it, Porto will be delighted with this win, considering you know, as we've mentioned uh, on a, on different podcasts this week, uh, an extensive injury list. So they were kind of playing with a bit of a makeshift team. Obviously, Tony Martinez coming in, you had Gruyet starting. Um, you know, losing Galeno and Otavio, they've they been struggling for creativity. So to withstand a really spirited Rio Ave performance and also, you know, get that important goal themselves when it was a type of game where you could just see them not scoring, but they did manage to get an important goal. 1-0 is, a, is a, on balance of the game itself as a result. I think they'll be delighted with and it's, uh, you know, another three vital points on their unlikely quest for the, uh, the league title this season. I guess the sort of, yeah, I think they did they did all well to sort of see it through and the sort of thing that this Porto team will, will will continue to do for the rest of the season. You know, they've done this fantastic run. But I think, you know, personally, I was a little worried that they they couldn't put the game to bed. You know, they had that Pepe Aquino made that amazing chance for Daniel Namasa after that ridiculous run and Namasa just sort of got a little caught on his feet. He, he got a touch, I think, but... You know, when you look at the players they had to bring on, Danny Namasa being one good, Carlo Borges, young winger, and Bernardo Fallo too. It, you know, it just... I think the point I'm making out of it here is, you know, that, that with all these attacking players, including Tony Martinez, that they've been trying to get something to happen with. It, that That's my worry at the moment, is that th- these games might come again uh, throughout the season. And if they're not able to find that second goal, you know, they're going to have to perhaps rely on their defence or Diogo Costa in this game to sort of get these points over the line. Yeah, and perhaps better teams they come up against might be able to punish them a bit better than uh, Rio Ave did. But ultimately, I think the thing to take from this game is I think Rio Ave can take good confidence from this game. 
in a strange way, I think both teams will come out of this game at least uh, taking positives from the situation, you know. So, um, yeah, definitely an interesting game to watch. And uh, for are obviously disappointed not to get any points, but a very encouraging performance. If they can sort of cut out losing to, to poor teams in this league when they seem to just struggle for consistency, if they can keep this level up for the rest of the season, they'll uh, be in for some uh, plenty of more enjoyable games, I think. Let's move on to the next game, Barney, and do Braga versus Aruka. A very strange game, I found personally, because Braga scored uh, the fastest goal of the season, undoubtedly, and surely one of the fastest ever Premier League goals when Abel Ruiz scored after 17 seconds. Um, and it set just quite a strange tone for the game because you felt from that point on that Aruka were, were really deflated. I think it took them about 85 minutes to get back into the game, really, to kind of get their heads together. Um, but of course, a late second goal from Simon Banza secured all three points from Braga. A good result for them, buddy. Really important for them to bounce back from that conference league defeat that I mentioned earlier because, you know, the team's heads would have dropped at that point. There's very little prospect of them uh, progressing in that competition. Uh, so it's important that they didn't take a negative mentality into this game and let the situation compound itself. Yeah, I thought Banza was excellent. You know, get, you know, back with Fatini the party, you know, he's going to be getting more of a starting starting role in his team and I thought um looked really lively in that attack. I thought I you know, I think you're right to say like this was a really decent Braga performance. Obviously the the early goal would have helped them. Because Aruka did have a couple of chances, but it's a sort of professional performance that we sort of come to expect from Braga this season, you know, perhaps who wouldn't have expected from them in, in previous seasons. You know, these these sort of ties sometimes would turn out to be a banana skin for them. But Arthur George has instilled this this winning mentality and it still it still seems to be working. Obviously for Aruka Barney we obviously didn't do a podcast last week, but I've got a feeling that this game, if we had done a podcast, would have been, you know, would have had our game of the week recommendation written all over it. And I think that's because we would have um, expected Aruga to put up a really good fight given the form that they're in. Um, obviously, like I said, in my opinion, I felt like they were they have quite heavily deflated after the first goal. You know, when you basically start the game 1-0 down, it's, it's kind of difficult to get your head in the game. And I think they didn't really recover from that. But like I said, the one thing I did think was that they had their best chances of the game from about 85 minutes onwards when I thought they had two really good clear-cut opportunities to score. So they did manage to get themselves uh, back into it a little bit, but it was obviously too little too late. Um, do you think they'd be disappointed by this result? Do you think given the form they're in, they would have targeted this as a, a kind of another upset perhaps for them or maybe even targeted a draw? I think in the grand scheme of things, it's not a result that's really going to derail their season. But I think definitely there was a sense of kind of disappointment that, you know, given the early goal and the way that the game panned out, they just never, they never got into it the way that they would have wanted to. They didn't manage to make a name for themselves in this game that they that they would have liked. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think, um, you know, perhaps they would have looked to Braga's Thursday result and, and thought, oh, maybe they'll, they'll be, there's an opportunity there. But no, I, I don't know. I wouldn't let them be, they get to them that much. I think this, this is a... Like, like I mentioned, a really decent Braga team in a, in a good moment in the league, certainly. So, no, I don't think they have anything to worry about. I would perhaps say, it's players that we've talked about in the past, Anthony on the wing, perhaps look, looks a little out of form at the moment for Aruba, gone a bit quiet. Defensive midfield position for them has always been a one that I'm not so sure on either. We've obviously saw Busquets play there occasionally. Uh, Samal was in, it in this game and, and didn't have the greatest of games. So, yeah, I think there's, you know, perhaps positions that they might need to look to freshen up. But um, no, no, I, I still, I'm still with on the Aruka train, man. I think they're, <laughs> they're a great team and, and doing really well. 
yeah, this podcast is firmly on the over good train. They'll be fine. I think, um, like I always say about these teams, you don't really judge them against games like this against a big team. So, uh, yeah, they'll bounce back, I'm sure. That'll be their objective. Let's talk about Sporting Barney, who played uh, on Sunday uh, away at Shavers. Very difficult tie, obviously, going all the way up to Shavers. Um, they would have wanted, Barney, a nice, relaxed win, a comfortable performance, one to settle the nerves. You know, the fan base is a little bit edgy these days. The players, I'm sure, are a little bit edgy. The manager we know is uh, um, always quite agitated on the sidelines these days. They got the win that they needed, of course, but it wasn't totally comfortable. I think they did dominate for most of the game, uh, in my opinion, but they just still weren't immune to those errors and those lapses in concentration that we've seen this season. Luckily, it didn't uh, affect the result in this game, uh, but we have seen those errors, those lapses of concentration, see them drop points in the recent past. Um, but of course, we should therefore give them credit when they score three goals away from home and, and get all three points. Um, there's still positives to take, positives to take, of course. Yeah, no, I think there certainly are. I think the the attacking um, chances they created in this game was, you know, improved. I think, I'm sorry, because I, 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 there's a lot of negativity around sports at the moment. I, 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 and I think it all culminated for me but towards the end of the game um, when Pedro Gonzalez you were know, winning the second penalty uh, for Sporting, but letting Chomiti take it, despite the what? fact that why is on a hat trick? Yeah, why is on a hat trick? And 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 this is Trinity who came on late in the game with Paulinho getting the start ahead of him. And I think there's a lot to unpack here because Pote is Sporting's penalty taker. He got booed by the Sporting fans earlier this month when he didn't give the penalty to his guy in their five 0 win against Braga when they were four 0 up at the time. But now here he is giving it to Trinity, and he said in this post match conference, uh, post match uh, questions that. Chimichi deserved it, right? And I, I, I would look a little further into that and, and say, Pote probably thinks what well, I think that Chimichi deserved to start ahead of Paulini, right? And here we go. Uh, well, because <laughs> no, Paulini, there's no getting around. Paulini was poor in this game. He was offside way too much. Up. I thought he looked lazy. If anything, you know, there's, there's two rules I'll go. Was like, is if he couldn't be bothered to get himself back on side, and and if in Chimichi who you have someone who's dynamic who's breathing life into their attack you'd say getting getting goals as well most importantly and perhaps that's why Pedro Gonzalez you know because look Pedro Sams was great in this game as well you know second goal when he was playing further forward was superb you know like the Pedro Gonzalez sort of a couple of years ago and I guess this is it what I'm trying to say is decisions from Amarin to play him in midfield I know I know Maurice isn't fully back from um, his injury but Pedro Gasol is his best attacking players who played when attack. And probably your second best in-form attacker at the moment is Chimiti. So, but you didn't play in either. Do you know what I mean? It's these decisions. I think it's very messy. Things, you know, and to sort of circle it back to the first point about Pedro Gasol was giving the penalty to someone else. I think that's the sign of a disorganization. It doesn't doesn't fill me with confidence in a team where the, the penalty taker is making those that the sort of decision like it just it's not it's not clean um so yeah sorry that that, that really round me up then yeah <laughs> well do you know what i think i think it's a really good point there's a lot to unpack with this game as you say so let's take it point by point i completely agree on the penalty decision pedro gustavo should not be giving penalties to anyone at any point unless perhaps um it's you know 
Um, a legend of the club is retiring and wants to score a goal in his last game and can accept anything other than that. I think Pedro Gustavo should be taking every penalty. And like you say, I agree. I think it shows that almost a lack of leadership, possibly from Amarim, because it should be clear that Pedro Gustavo is your penalty taker. Do not give the penalties away for any reason. This game had a lot to, to take in. So I think you'd be helpful at this point, perhaps to outline the game for anyone who's not seen it. Sporting end up winning the game 3-2. Uh, during the course of the game, they go 1-0 ahead. They're then pegged back by Shavs, but they continue to push. They scored two goals through Paulinho, both of which were ruled offside. Uh, they then scored two more good goals to go 3-1 up. Chamiti misses the penalty to make it 4-1. So they were very dominant at this point. And it's like a last-minute consolation for Shavs to make it 3-2. So that was the course of the game. Interesting that you think Paulinho was lazy. I did think that both of his goals could have been onside if he'd perhaps made more of an effort to be onside if you see what I mean he didn't need oh. to be offside in, in both of those goals but then credit where it's due because he wins the penalty for Pedro Gonzalez's first goal and he assists <laughs> the third goal so he's yeah, contributed yeah. he's contributed to this game um, I, I, I love mean, that I first love... penalty wasn't a penalty let's be, let's well be there's also that there's also that <laughs> but, um, but this is what I mean it's just I opened this this game by saying Porto wanted a nice relaxed comfortable win but even when they're winning these days, there's so much stress and drama in these games. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of anxiety. Like, as you say, who's taking the penalties? Like, is Paulinho gelling with the rest of the team? Like, the fact that they also can't defend uh, and they're they're leaking goals because they conceded two goals in this game. Um, the first goal, a long-range shot from Joao Teixeira, uh, a good strike, but again... Should we be seeing Adan make a save for that goal? Uh, I think it's obviously less of an obvious howler than the one against Porto, for example, where he just lets the ball go through his hands. But I think there's a good argument to say he should be saving that goal. And then the second goal, Barney, I actually found very disappointing. People might brush over it because obviously they got the three points. Um, it's a it's a last minute consolation. It's a very simple goal to concede. It's just a ball into the box from the left-hand side. The defence is lined up seemingly perfectly, but Nuno Santos is a little bit sloppy with his defensive duties and just allows a simple header uh, for Chavez to get a second goal. Of course, you could say Nuno Santos is not really a defender, but he's playing in that position, so he should be be doing his job. So this is the problem I have with Sporting at the moment. Even when they're getting wins, even when they're getting points on the table, they just, they just don't strike me as a team... Uh, an organized team, a confident team. You know, they, they everything is everything is disorganized, and everything is, in my opinion, much more difficult than it needs to be. And I think that's a problem because I think it's coming from the manager as well. You know, you see the way he makes erratic substitutions in games, the way his starting lineups are quite unpredictable. I think that feeds down into the players, and I think that's why uh, Sporting are kind of in a situation that they are because it's it's. Uh, it's not being managed well, unfortunately, as much as, you know, as much as we're, um, we love Amarim, he's being tested really for the first time as a manager, and I don't think he's responding very well at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I think we, uh, we, we were asked the question on um, uh, the auto um, into preview on me about um, Amarim because he was such a highly rated coach and people wanted to hear our thoughts on him, but we, I don't know, I found it really hard to describe the situation that he's got himself into at the moment because it is very messy like you were saying and it, it, yeah it, it, I think you summed up perfectly there where you said that they've got the win but it, it, you sort of feel like it isn't a win in, in that sense um, I mean that few little pauses that I did find was 
Diamonde looked quite good in defence. I think that was an Ashio to go on the left hand side, where I think he's better. It's it's a really bittersweet moment for Sporting, isn't it? Because I think the, the fan base is does it very split, and and that sort of adds fuel to it as well. It's you know you just have to look on Twitter and see how many different opinions of people have about even the players who are you know seemingly doing well. So yeah, it's it's a it's a messy situation. Definitely one to keep an eye on. All right, well let's do the last of the top four, Barney. And let's talk about Benfica, who, not dissimilarly to Sporting, I thought had a little bit more of a difficult game than they would have liked against Boa Vista on Sunday. They left it late to earn themselves a 3-1 win. They really didn't quick click very well in the first half of this game, uh, but their quality showed through in the second half. And in my opinion, it was a deserved win in the, in the end. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was... Um... You know, it was a bit, bit of a real, well, a bit of a slow start for Benfica. But what I really was impressed with that was that they they kept going, and if anything, they increased the pressures towards the end of the game, and it just built and built, and that's where we saw, you know, even after the three went up, they they were still still pushing. Um, I, I wanted to praise Bacardi out with the Boa Vista keeper. You know, it's just two hundred and fiftieth game, forty one years old, incredible big, big saves. You know, including Joe Mara's power, he's keep it a one one. Just he's what a keeper, what a legend, and and if we're talking about Legendary status for Bo Vista. Useful and G has got to be included too, right? Here now. we he... go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I've always liked him and he, he's been, his goal scoring has been a lot better this season, a lot more consistent. It was good finish. Um, I thought um, Bruno, the, the left back, the young Nigerian, he's been doing very well there as well. It was good, did an excellent cross in. And, and he t- took it so well. And, and, and in that moment, I think that, like you said, it, that's where it seemed like it was suddenly a difficult game for Benfica mm. because they did bring it back to one one. As you say, it was a good, it was a good finish from Yusuf. But um, the only thing I will say is that I just thought from a Benfica perspective, it was an avoidable goal. It's a, it's a decent cross into the box, but it's a, it's a low cross in from the left hand side. I think it goes past four defenders, um, and and no one gets a, a kind of touch on it or block on it, which which was disappointing, but. Uh, perhaps on the balance of the game, you'd say Boa Vista deserved one goal. Um, for me, the highlight of this game, Barney, was Benfica's second goal from Gonzalo Ramos. Um, I just thought it was a sublime bit of skill. Uh, it's it's a kind of three-moment attack. It's a, a great touch, great control, great finish. Uh, and yeah, a really excellent bit of skill. We've had debates on this podcast about what he really offers the team. But that kind of control, that kind of finishing, it was a really deft outside of the foot finish. He just takes a great touch to get into the box, has the composure to cut back uh, and sit down on a defender. And then it's a really composed finish into the bottom left corner with the outside of his right boot. Um, and I think, like I said, we've discussed what his best attributes are, what he really offers the team. But that kind of finishing, that kind of composure, and that's kind of close control, I think that's what his best uh, attributes are as a striker. And I think really... Uh, Showed him at his best, and, and let's be real, that's, that was a big, big moment in this game, and in terms yeah. of getting the result, that that turned it around for Benfica. Took the roof off that. the stadium, didn't it? Eighty first yeah, minute yeah. when they're they're one one, people are thinking, "Are oh, we going to get the win here?" No one wants to drop points in the title race this part of the season. It took the roof no. off the stadium, and 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 I think I said it previously. Albert, is is these small moments that might seem insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but actually, when you drill down, they actually, you know they they sort of make make seasons. Um, Funny, I think you're going to like this. I'm a big fan of Peter Musa um, scoring the third goal against his former club, then raising his hands as if to say, I'm not going to celebrate. 
before proceeding to celebrate anyway. What did you make of that? I've lived, that's literally what I wrote down. Oh, it, it's piss poor. You can't apologize. You can't do an apologetic celebration. I, I couldn't believe it. I you was... could tell from the moment he held his hands up, he was like, I really don't want to have to do this. I just want to run off and knee slide. Well, like, he did He did the hands up to apology. Then he pointed to Jamo with a great big smile on his face. Yeah. Then he points back for the assist. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Point back to Jamo. That's and then come on, little <laughs> like, double fist bump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that didn't, didn't quite sit right. Um, no, but look, a, a huge result for Benfica. Like you say, we like we said that this was a this was a tough game. I was impressed with Bovista. Um, I, I think I've said re- recently that I felt like Bovista perhaps overachieving, but I think, um. Def- I, Defensively, they've sort of found something. I don't know, they've shipped three goals in this game, but what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, I think that they've, they've a few things have changed. That they made a few stretches to the back line, and they, and they 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 turned up for this game. So yeah, um, happy for NG as well because yeah, I think he's going to be a, a bonus legend. Right then, buddy. Well, let's look a little bit further down the table, uh, and I want to talk about Estoril versus Passos de Ferreira again. Barney, I was talking about Braga Ruka saying if we'd done a podcast last week, this would have been a shout for game of the week. Well, this game right here, I can guarantee you, would have been our game of the week, and I don't think he disappointed um, because it was another fantastic win for Passos de Ferreira, who continued to turn around their season for the better. Um, we said they had a favourable run of games coming up. And I think that run of games started with this, a game against Estoril side, an Estoril side in a really poor form. And they took their opportunity completely. They were the better team from minute one to minute 90. They were 2-0 up at half time, but it could have been more. And they killed off the game with a third goal in the second half. Another impressive performance, which will give them great confidence for their next few games. Yeah, huge performance. I mean, they, they certainly... Yeah, they hit the ground running in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've been picking up on their, their recent performances, the amount of bodies they're throwing forward, the runs they're making, the, the positivity from their midfielders to get into attacking positions. And it was like that. And, it, you know, that was um, it was great set piece for their first goal. Um, you know, Jordan Holsgrove with an excellent left foot delivery. And then, I mean, Nigel Thomas's goal for the second is... If you've not watched the highlights of this game, it's a contender for goal of the season. Really, he's on the left-hand side, kind of on, kind of in on the left wing, in line with the edge of the box, isn't he? Cuts oh. it on his right foot and curls it near post, not even far that's post. He manages to get it in near post. It's a brilliant finish, and that that's smart, man, because he, he could see the, there was a certain angle that they played from behind the goal, and you could see the goalkeeper's positioning where that was never in the keeper's mind that that was going in that corner, and it and it just went straight in it was ahead of the finish but then obviously Estra got that goal back then they in a with some amazing work from the Tiago Goy there I, I wrote down but to, to do that to a man like Antunes and, and to, <laughs> to turn him in the box because he, he just he just yeah he made he him look him, 37 years old didn't he yeah, and he might only be 35 <laughs> um, so that was that was fantastic for them uh, to get back but then I didn't really feel like after that I still felt the confidence in Passos. And you look at the substitutions that um, Sergio Passos was able to make. You know, he took off Luis Carlos, took off Hernani, who they've got on loan from Braga, 
and bought on Paolo Bernardo and Ayuton. You know, that this these Bernardo and, and Hanani, two players that they've got in this January window, just given that bit of depth and help shore things up. And then Jordan Holsgrove pops up with a goal himself after getting the two assists. And it was, yeah, just so good. And Holsgrove's perhaps the epitome, isn't he, of, of yeah. the, the positivity in this Passos team. You know, he's he's been amazing. Yeah, I think Jordan Holdsgrove was the player who, who really shone in this game. He obviously had the ball in the back of the net first, and it was ruled out. He then rallies, uh, gets himself an assist, and then a goal. Um, really fantastic. He's making himself a, a key player for this team. And, you know, having a, a, a left-footed Scottish midfielder, uh, a key player for a Portuguese club in a relegation battle, it's been a while since we've been able to uh, enjoy that. So we're grateful to him for uh, picking up that mantle but there were some really standout individual performances Jordan Holsgrove was one Nigel Thomas was another how you, how great is it for them to have a striker like Adrian Butzko who seems to be able to find a back of the net something they haven't had in a long time really good header for his goal so they've done really well they've done really well in this game the attitude was impeccable from the beginning just positive aggressive uh, confident football uh, and I'm really impressed with this Passos team even in games that they've the results have not gone their way recently. I'm thinking about that late loss to Braga a few weeks ago, or even the loss uh, last week against Porto Ends, where they were they were well in the game before they got a man sent off, and, and then uh, they ended up losing the game. Even in those types of games, the performances have still been there. So it's now three wins in their last six. Really encouraging results. Uh, and as we said, they've got a, a string of winnable games coming up. So don't be surprised at all if you see Passos climbing the table. I think at this point, they're only three points behind Santa Clara uh, in the relegation playoff places. Ten points off complete safety, which seems a long way off. But yeah, they've got a real chance of, of climbing the table. Um, just a last word on Estoril Barney. No surprise, of course, to see Geraldes get their goal. No surprise to see Gouveia. Uh, involved, but they seem to be the only two players on that team really uh, contributing at the moment. Thing I noticed picked up on this game, Barney, is the body language is very poor, especially for the defence when the goals go in. There's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of kind of standing around, looking at each other, like whose job is it to pick up a man? Um, it's quite negative. It suggests a team, obviously low on confidence, but also a team that's not gelling well at the moment. Do you think the manager's lost the dressing room? Do you think his, his days are numbered? Because the results have been poor. And I think a result of Passos, I did have a feeling that, to be honest, we would have seen Verissimo gone by the time we recorded this. At, at, at the time of recording, I believe he's still there. But it's a very difficult situation for them. Yeah, I mean, the thing I saw on Twitter was that um, the SAD wants to get rid of him, but actually the players are the ones that are sort of digging their heels and saying, look, we, we, we sort of believe in him. So... That's perhaps why he's still there. I, I don't know, but I think you, you make good points there that sort of highlight the lack of un belief or understanding yeah. in what's what's happening in the system. Um, I, it's a point I've made several times about Esther about not being able to score. I mean, Cassiano didn't have a single shot in this game, and and the, the replacement uh, striker Carlos had one in the whole game. And you know, when you've got your right back Thiago Santos, who's been absolutely brilliant, by the way, I still really rate him as a right back. You know, getting two shots, they're having the most shots in the team. It's, it's a bit of a worry. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see what happens because it, it's getting to the point for me, Albert, where the, the smart thing might be to get rid of Verismo. But if, if if there's some if there's people at that club wanting to keep him, then, you know, they, that, 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 could get, that could get dicey. 
or like I said, they are themselves in danger of getting sunk into a relegation battle. So that will be definitely a, an interesting story to follow. And um, let's move on, Barney, and talk about Portimonens versus Maritimo. Now, uh, on a recent episode of the Quarterlinish podcast where we joined Zach Lowy, I described Portimonens as, and I quote, the worst team in the league on current form. Since those comments, Barney, they've gone on to win two games in a row and really made me look a bit of a mug. And they worked really hard for this win against Maritimo. They went 1-0 down early, but didn't let their heads drop. They kept pushing for a goal, despite having two goals ruled out offside in their pursuit of an equaliser. Uh, they eventually broke down Maritimo's resolve for a, a very dramatic comeback. And uh, credit to them, because I think they deserved a win on, on, on the day. Yeah, if you want to talk about strikers who can't stay on side, Brian Rush has, has <laughs> got to be up there as well. Oh, um, man. <laughs> I, the thing I would say about it was that it was still quite messy. You know, there was a yes. lot of long balls, a lot of foosh balls, flick Oh, this and, this was not a pretty game by any no. means. Absolutely not. Um, but their their sort of desperation and their persistence sort of paid off. I, I, it's Mauricio, the thirty four year old Brazilian who um, who got the first goal, the equaliser, and uh, he's an interesting player. But yeah, he's come from Russia's second tier. You know, yeah. and it's, he popped up with his second goal in two games, but. You know, like I said, the performance was just launched it for making loads of chances, but no one able to score, and it was just so messy. Uh, even the build-up in this goal, and it, it was almost like Mauricio was watching a bunch of kids play, and he just sort of steps <laughs> up and smashes it home. And it's like this is how you do it. And then um, Wellington Junior able to get the winner, uh, sort of get onto a flick on. Bit of a goal must scramble, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this once again sort of highlighted their attacking issues. You know, prior in Russia still hasn't scored. Yago Creo started, but then did very little. And then it's Wellington Juniors. I don't understand what Wellington Juniors got to start. He's their top goal scorer, but, you know, he seems to use as a, an impact player. But you can't fault Portsmouth's persistence in this game. You know, they really kept going. And I would say, you know, looking at Marita Bear, but I think you said a few weeks back their chances of survival sort of hinged them being able to grind out results. And But their last two games, they've They've gone ahead maybe too early and then ended up losing. And yeah, yeah, that, that seems to be the problem for them. That's what surprised me about this result, Barney, because if, you, if you'd asked me for a team that would be able to withstand the kind of Portsmouth's attack that we saw in this game, I would have picked Maritimo because I think you, uh, I was chuckling away while you were, were speaking then, Barney, because you were just kind of politely skirting around the way of saying that basically Portsmouth's didn't have a lot of quality. They had a lot of endeavour and they tried really hard, but it was pretty poor in terms of quality. Brian Rochez was like a bulldozer up front, sort of like a bull in a china shop, shall we say, sort of throwing his weight around. Um, <laughs> the uh, the passion that he showed when his second goal, the header, was ruled out for offside was really, um, uh, really a sight to behold. I, I felt really sort of emboldened by that. Uh, his, his response to the goal getting ruled out offside, he sort of, shakes his fists and screams into the air and then you watch the replay and he's about two meters offside you think he can't really be that upset when you're that far offside but it, it kind of epitomizes them right a lot of endeavor um a lot of desire but of very little quality but but that said credit to them because they got they got to win in this game and 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 it, it was very much a case of them kind of breaking down marie timon's almost psychological resolve more than anything like that. they just couldn't they couldn't withstand the the pressure any longer, which is, like I said, not something I would have expected from Maritimo. They've had good results in recent games, um, 
but it just seemed like this game they they, they just couldn't get it over the line. They kind of they broke down a bit, and 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 it's a disappointing it's a disappointing loss for them. I think they would have even taken a draw in this game, and maybe that would have been fair because it was a good good opening goal, and they looked good at the start, but they couldn't sustain it. They had to bounce back from this game. They had to just make sure they don't let this become a recurring theme now, where they can't hold on to leads because for a team trying to get out of the relegation zone. Uh, every point this stage of the season is, is vital. So I, I would consider this, you know, for for Maritima, probably probably a point dropped. Uh, if anything, they would have been disappointed to um, disappointed to concede late. Oh, right, well, let's do one last game, Barney. I want to talk about uh, Santa Clara, who played Famalicão uh, at the weekend, and unfortunately, and unfortunately, they continue a pretty woeful run of form that they're on by losing three one at home uh, against Famalicão. Bonnie, they're yet to win a league game in 2023. They are 17th place in the league. They're now seven points behind Estoril. And despite scoring in this game and having a positive first half, uh, it was another damaging loss overall. And you have to say, in my opinion, that the manner of the loss itself w- w- was pretty embarrassing. It was it was poor defending. Um, it was a comedy of errors at the back. Uh, and they're in a really bad position now, and especially when you look at those teams that we've just been talking about, Passos and Maritima, they will really be looking over their shoulders. They had a decent first half, like I said, Bonnie. They obviously miss a penalty, which is disappointing, but at least they created a chance in the first place. And then they do have the ball in the back of the net, but it's ruled out. Um, and then it kind of all unraveled in the second half. Family Cal go 1-0 up. Um, I have to say, I thought the defence throughout the first half seemed... Pretty rubbish. Uh, poor defending for the first goal. I think even Jaime scores by getting to the ball first, despite the Santa Clara defender having about a 10 metre head start on him and already being in the box. Um, it's embarrassing defending for the own goal, the second goal, where the defender clears the ball somehow into his own net uh, without any pressure on him, really. And then perhaps a bit unlucky with the third goal was a looping header, which, which, which beats the keeper from a difficult angle. But just another really poor performance from from Santa Clara, who uh, can't seem to catch a break these days, despite being given opportunities in this game. They still come away with a pretty heavy loss. Yeah, I mean, um, it was a shame that it was Gabriel Silva, the one missing the penalty. Yeah, he's, he's sort of been the, the shining light in this team recently, but that, that sort of really didn't help them. I would say it was it was a good family cow that turned up. You know, they, they, were, they needed a... a a result like this in the league, and and they'll, they'll be happy with that. But yeah, I think Santa Clara did make it easy to, easier for them as, as the game progressed. So very disappointing. Uh, just another worrying result. Yeah, it's 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 really hard to see where, where they're going to go. Mm, definitely uh, good for Family Cal to get a win. Inconsistent season for them. Um, I was pleased to see Alessandro Penetra involved in in two goals. Young defender that we're kind of big fans of and, and have high hopes for who himself has, has taken a lot of responsibility sometimes the captaincy at Family Cow but also as the team has struggled for consistency this season so good to see him getting getting two goals and, and Family Cow of course themselves not having the best of seasons so three points wherever they can get them is is, is, is important I think Penetra right back seems to be his, his best position I think that's where he's played I think he's naturally a centre back but I quite like him as right back so, um, I think he plays well there Um and I've been really impressed with the midfield as well. Colin Batato, the young Argentinian midfielder, on loan, uh, use of the young French midfielder. I think those are both good players. And then, and then they, they brought in um, Alexander, Alex Dobra, sorry, um, from uh, the French League. 
as a, as a sort of another it's basically an improvement on their wing uh, wing position. So glimmers of hope in this family cow team. And so hopefully they can start building on the, on the, in these sort of positions that have sort of now become more solidified. You know, like I mentioned, those two midfielders are sort of nailed on now, and that and that's good to have some consistency there. Absolutely. Well, but that brings us to the end of the games for this week. Before we go, uh, we're just going to end the show how we always like to, which is by giving you some recommendations of games that you could watch in the Primera Liga this weekend. Now, it's a big weekend because one of my favourite fixtures, and I know one of Barney's favourite fixtures as well, uh, is taking place uh, on the Monday night, and that is, of course, the Mino derby. Uh, one of the most intense derbies in European football, uh, and you can watch that at 9.15pm on Monday night. I know some people don't like the late Monday night kickoffs, but for me, Barney, it adds a little bit of uh, a little bit of edge to the game. So uh, I'm really looking forward to staying up late on a Monday to watch that. I think that's the obvious choice for game of the week, but if you've got something else maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday that people can, can watch, what would you go for? Yeah, I think it's the two six o'clock fixtures. Um, Saturday, six o'clock, Marita, Santa Clara, a real battle at the bottom. You know, both teams needing a result and that would probably end nil-nil. And then um, Sunday, Paso Sofra, Boa Vista, I like the look of I think both teams, well, Paso certainly in form. I think Boa Vista potentially could be in form. They've had a few tough games, but uh, yeah, that would be a good one as well. I really like the look of Maritimo versus Santa Clara. The island derby, uh, that'll be fun. And the other one you could look out for is uh, Aruka versus Casapia. I suppose the two teams that you call the the revelatory teams this season, uh, Aruka and Casapia, they, they're facing each other at 3.30pm uh, on Saturday. Tell you what, by Saturday afternoon, it's good. Aruka, Casapia at 3.30, followed by Maritimo, Santa Clara 6. There's much worse ways uh, of spending a Saturday afternoon. Well, look. Uh, that brings us to the end of this show uh, if you've enjoyed listening you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify if you want to contact us you can find us on Twitter at Football. Uh, but that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week see you next week